Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. This is indeed the Homeschool High School Podcast. It is not the High School Homeschool Podcast, even though for some reason, every time we record, I want to alphabetize and call it something other than what it is. I am one of your hosts, Sabrina Justison, here with my co-host. And I'm Vicki Tillman, and I know it's the Homeschool High School podcast because I think globally first and detail second. Homeschool global, high school detail. And Very you just good. alphabetize everything. <laughs> I Can I help school. it that I'm an alphabetizer? <laughs> you just I do that. I like letters, and I like words, and that's what we're going to talk about on this episode. We're going to talk about language arts. Indeed. There's a lot that goes into a high school language arts credit, and it is super-de-duper important. Super-de-duper is not an SAT vocabulary word, but I like it anyway. And so we're going to help you get your brains wrapped around the global ideas of language arts language arts for high school but before we get into that let's just talk a little bit about what we love about language arts especially reading i think reading is the awesomest thing ever i love to read and i like to read the same author over and over again I think it's because I'm a global thinker, so I like to think one big overarching, get all of an author's books read. Well, that's that's cool. Let's see, here you go. I, I do not like to read the same author several titles in a row. I multitask with many books going all at the same time, and perhaps that is because I want to alphabetize their last <laughs> names. I didn't think that's what I was doing. Alphabetizing but. the book titles. <clears throat> Like you were reading Angela's Ashes, and then you I read Tiz. I did. I read Tiz, and after you read, I read Angela's. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but those were both by Frank McCourt. So that's uh, see that right there makes me yeah. like um, a Vicky wannabe because oh, I read two titles by the same yeah. And I've read probably fifty P.G. Woodhouse books, oh. the Jeeves and Worcester. So I finished the whole Worcester series several times, and have moved on to P. Smith, which is another one of his series. Certain authors are like comfort food, aren't mm-hmm, they? Mm-hmm. Just just good for your brain and good for your heart and fun vocabulary, right? Woodhouse is the king of vocabulary, and he puts poetry right into the stories. Anything with poetry is going to win Vicky over, yes? Indeed. Mm. I just came back from a trip where I had time in airports, and my heavy heaviest items in my carry-on bag are always my books. I have an e-reader. But there are certain titles that I haven't been able to get on it or books that I want to actually write in instead of doing the virtual highlighting, note-taking thing. So you, you write in your novels? So, sometimes I do. <laughs> <laughs> if it's really grabbing my heart, I do. I, I just dog-ear my pages on novels. You, I've seen that. I've borrowed books from Vicki that were so dog-eared <laughs> that you could barely open them because they were all folded up. So... Yeah, but no, I like to try to have different types of reading going at the same time. So I have a long list of classics I've never read that I should have shame on me mm-hmm. kind of list. And I realized 
I, I can't believe I'm admitting this on a podcast, but I had never read Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. I almost can't sit with you in the same room. I'm really sorry. I'm halfway through it now, so you, okay. could, you could halfway sit with All me right, in the well, same room. We'll try to do that. <laughs> oh, my word. So I, I took that on my trip, and that was my... That was my... I'm reading something that I'm intentionally... I want this on my on my list, and then I read news articles and stuff because I don't like to watch the news. Mm-hmm. It overwhelms and frustrates me, but I want to stay apprised of what is happening in the world. Indeed. So, um, yeah. And then I just like to read contemporary... I'm, I've been listening to a Jodi Pico audio novel lately. It's just fun stuff to think about, and... So you're multitasking all these different books at the same time. That's right. All in the airports and uh, all on the Do you get the the characters all mixed up? I don't. (laughs) Maybe it's because I alphabetize them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So, okay, so we're natural bookworms. We both love books. Did all of your kids love to read? No. No, actually not. Um, Several of my kids just didn't really love reading. And some of them like it all right, and some love it. So good thing I have lots of kids, so I have lots of flavors of kids. That's exactly the case in our family, too. Some of them just took to books like it was breathing, Mm -hmm. and they just had to have more books. And others of them, it's definitely a decision to read. Mm -hmm. And they have come to believe that it is important and good, and so they choose to do it, but it's not a bookworm thing at all. Yeah, And, you know, we... We're not struck down by God for being homeschoolers who had some kids who didn't love to read, right? Right, right. And we read anyway. Oh, absolutely. So we made positive experiences out of the reading, like doing family read-alouds and audiobooks and movie versions of books and then reading the book afterwards. Yeah, man. So we, we made some positive things so it's not just schoolwork. Right, right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about how to help reluctant readers in your homeschool because, yes, sometimes even into the teen years and beyond, people are just not naturally in love with books, and there are things that you can do to help Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. But first, let's sort of talk about the language arts credit on the homeschool high school transcript in more general terms. Mm -hmm. So tell us what goes into that, Vicki, and why it is so big. It's a monster credit. So the kids work usually like double on a language arts compared to social studies. It just is that way. And so it has to encompass a lot of different things. Interestingly, all states want four language arts credits. So sometimes they might only need three social studies or three sciences or three maths, but everybody wants four language arts. So there's no way to escape every year having this monster credit on the transcript. Okay. So you definitely want that early in your planning as Mm -hmm. you're looking at what you need to do because it's going to take a lot of hours and a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. So what are the primary components that get smushed all together and become language arts? Yeah, this is one big, huge credit that takes so much time. So every transcript needs on their language arts. They need reading. So some literature component. They need writing. They need vocabulary and grammar or editing kinds of things, and they need public speaking. Okay. 
Uh, reading. Let's tackle the obvious one first. Everybody thinks about high school reading and you think of book lists and you think of the books that you read in high school that you liked the least. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can just like that can name that book that some high school teacher said they had to read that they still think is a stupid book to this day. That's okay. You're allowed to have an occasional book that your kid ends up feeling that way about when they're old and gray too. But how do you choose those books? How many books? Do they have to fall into certain categories? Who makes the rules for the universe about your reading for high school? That's a good <laughs> rules for the universe. <laughs> so isn't it funny that you're not going to find one definition of what has to be covered in a literature component in language arts? It's just not standardized anywhere, which is really good. It is really good. And I think a lot of people maybe don't realize that. They think mm -hmm. we have to do a year of X. We have to do a year of Y. And... That is not the case at all. Yeah, so some kids, especially maybe more reluctant readers, if you lock them into one topic for the year, like American literature or Brit Lit, they're just going to go, oh my gosh, and feel overwhelmed. So uh, some kids will need a mixture of books, just a general language arts literature list, and that is perfectly fine. So we can tailor our book list to our child's needs. <clears throat> About how many titles? <laughs> so, question, huh? yeah, mm. let me make a suggestion. Is ninth graders need to read fewer books than a 12th grader? A 12th grader should be more mature than a ninth grader, don't you think? Sounds like common sense to me. An average high schooler, you know, a kid who is going into the workforce, he's not bound for Harvard is not going to need to read as many books, unless he wants to, as your high-powered college-bound kid. Okay. Also common sense. Good. So the list will vary, in other words. So you want to at least have one in-depth study per month on a book, and then fill out a reading list according to your young person's age and abilities and interest levels. So a good actual resource for that is if you want to visit one of the umbrella schools, our, our umbrella school that yes. all of our kids went to, um, has a good breakdown by year and by activity level. Um, and so that's mountsophia.com. M-T-S-O-P-H-I-A.com. And if you sign up for our self-pace online course for parents. Yes. Homeschool, high school, you can do it. We also have lists on um, suggested how many books each kid should read when. Very good. Okay, so I think a lot of people um, aim for really challenging literature in mm -hmm. high school. And that is important. High mm -hmm. school should be challenging, but high school should also be, according to what we say here every week, it should be fun. It too. should be fun. Yes. And so it's really, it's really okay to have perhaps one challenging title in a month. And then a really fun book that your kid just enjoys or that's really in an area of interest or tickles their funny bone. And it needs to be on a high school reading level. It should not be a third grade reading level that your, you know, Encyclopedia Brown is perhaps a bit young be a little high under the, yes. But, uh, but yeah, you can definitely have some fun. You can also create titles for your book list by pulling together short stories essays, right. speeches, you can do collections of things. If mm -hmm. book publishers can do it and so can, can we. publish it as a book, why couldn't you? 
as a homeschooler. Po- poetry is another good one poetry. to do with that. Plays. Read plays. Oh, read plays. They're not very long, so when you have a kid who does get a bit overwhelmed, you can say, well, this was designed to be performed within two hours, so you could probably read it without getting completely overwhelmed. We should talk about doing a reader's theater party. Oh, we should. We should. Maybe we'll do that soon on a podcast. Okay, making a note. Reader's theater. (laughs) Yes. Because that is fun. fun. And a good way to get a book on the book list without uh, being overwhelming. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so we've talked quite a bit about reading. Now, writing is the other big chunk that everybody thinks about. As well they should. As well they should. Absolutely. What kinds of writing and why? And in what quantities? So, again, varies by age and ability. So it would be good to sign up for our self-paced online course, which will give you details on that. But what you want is essays every year. You know, bless their hearts, what essays do, whether they're interesting or not, is teach our kids how to capture their thoughts and put them on paper in a coherent way. So even if they're not going to college Kids still have to be able to communicate ideas. That's a very good point. And that's something that perhaps a lot of people are either not understanding themselves or not communicating well to their teenagers. Some kids love to write, and that's groovy. And some kids love to read, and that's groovy. But every adult needs the skills that are developed in critical thinking and communication. And those skills are developed by reading and understanding other people's ideas. Yes. And writing or communicating your own ideas. Indeed. So, yeah, if you have a kid who says, yeah, but I'm not going to college and I'm not really into this stuff, uh, help them reframe it the way they're thinking about it. Do you want to be able to communicate well with your coworkers, with your friends, with your spouse? Do you want to be able to understand what other people are trying to communicate to you? Reading and writing hone those skills, and they are very concrete life skills. So essays are one of the best ways to capture ideas and and passions and even boring thoughts that you have to have a thought about. Um, Essays will make you hone your ideas and and use words with that. And if you think about it, like I was uh, at my kid number five's graduation from community college, this week and uh, sit in this big gym full of people and listening to the crowd ahead of time talk politics with each other nothing like an election year to put you in a room full of a whole lot of people with ideas (laughs) and they were so horribly articulated it was like (laughs) i wanted to give them all essays to write and say will you just think a a coherent thought So our, our kids really, if they want to grow up and be responsible citizens, they need to be able to capture an idea and develop it yes. in their own heads. And essays help that. And they need to be able to say it to the person next to them so they don't just sound like a parrot. Yes. Very good. Okay, so essays, super important critical thinking, and all that stuff. What other kinds of writing? Okay, so they all need to do a research paper every year, and again, different lengths according to their abilities and age, but they need to do research. They need to dig for ideas and develop those ideas, and so each kid needs to handle that every year. And the kids who are college-bound, essays and research is what they're going to be doing all through college. 
the more comfortable they can get in high school churning out those types of writing, the more confident they're going to be. Yeah. And so if, if mom's not comfortable helping with research, it's really a good idea to get a guide. Mm-hmm. That's not nitpicky and overwhelming. Oh, maybe like... Perhaps they should investigate the two Seven Sisters research paper writing guides, one for MLA-style research papers and one for APA-style research papers. Which take the kids step-by-step in short lessons, no busy work, and teach them to write successful research papers. And also help them understand plagiarism, what it is, how it happens sometimes accidentally, Mm-hmm. and how they can guard themselves in the way that they take their notes as they do research, in the way that they write their early drafts, and in the way that they edit. That whole thing is a part of a thinking process that will keep them from ever accidentally stumbling into plagiarism, which is a huge problem, especially in the Internet age with yes. everything being done, copying and pasting things on computers, and um, and people are, unfortunately often at a college with zero tolerance. Uh, My son, who teaches college level, has had to fail kids, and they've lost scholarships because they've cut and pasted off of other research papers that can be bought on Mm -hmm. the Internet. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's heartbreaking, and yes, there is a character and integrity issue. There's also just a basic... Educate your kid on how this happens, because a lot of plagiarism begins as accidental plagiarism. Absolutely, yes. And uh, so, yeah, a good research paper guide, like you can find at sevensistershomeschool.com e-bookstore for either MLA or APA style. How do you think about which style, by the way, Vicki? What what does it matter? Why would you assign your child an MLA style versus an APA? (laughs) Because I like APA, so they should do it. (laughs) And Seven Sister Allison likes MLA. And so they should do that. She's all about transition <laughs> sentences. And, but yeah. the, our college-bound kids will have to do both <coughs> in college. So. I apologize. Allergies are making me a little raspy today. It's I apologize. allergy-ish around here right now. Lots of pollen. It is. So our, our kids will, and freshman comp, will write MLA papers, and they will write APA papers. And each professor in a college will tweak how the format of those look. But if they have a basic understanding of what MLA and APA are, then they're confident going into that. And if any of you are listening to this podcast and thinking, I have no idea what the difference is, just hop over to the blog at sevensistershomeschool.com. We have a very informative, easy-to-digest post there that just explains what's the difference between an MLA and an APA research paper and why might you choose one over the other in a given year. Indeed. So that can help you. All right, reading and writing essays and writing research papers, but also writing creatively. Absolutely. Yes? Why? Because the kids who can write creatively write better research papers and essays when they get to college. So they may not write too many short stories. They will probably write some poetry at college level, but they will write so much better if they know how to use words and they get that skill from creative writing. Very good. I think that we often lose that by the time we get to high school. By the time a kid starts high school, you know whether or not they like to write stories. Mm -hmm. You know whether or not they get a kick out of writing poems. And a lot of children naturally don't love that, and that's okay. 
But if we continue to teach them creative writing skills, it improves all of their writing across the board. So a lot of kids also don't know <clears throat> that they like creative writing because they've had horrible experiences with it earlier with some you know, traumatic thing in co-op where everybody else did something better than them or a, a boring is what writing guide. So if you give them a chance to kind of start fresh with poetry and, and creative writing, they will really, really enjoy it better and apply those skills. So I'll tell you a story is my sister is a professor um, and so when she was teaching intro to psych back in her younger days as a teacher, um, what she found was she was grading two, three hundred papers uh, like a week or, you know, several Boy. times a semester um, with all of her sections of psych. And they were boring as what? So you can imagine the one or two good papers that used words interestingly. Oh, yes. Those are the ones that got the A's, so that's just, you know, she would just come alive when she, oh, I finally have an interesting paper here. Very good. And a lot of creative writing that is presented not in an overwhelming, here are a million steps and find a way to include these words in this mm -hmm. and all that kind of taking something rich and making it dry style. Right. Indeed. It, if you're doing creative writing that is not beating it to death, what you're doing is you're encouraging kids to find their own writing voice, too. And some kids will find that they really like descriptive words. They may not think much about the rhythm of language. They may not think as poetically. But there's something about nice, strong adjectives that just draws them, you know? Yeah. So they can find the things that do work well for them. And they can, they can um, think of sort of owning their writing. Yeah, so simple gives room for their own personal growth. Very good. Uh, this is this is a good point to just gently encourage you. If, if you are at the high school level or coming into it, and you have a kid who is a reluctant writer who really struggles, um, maybe even has a lot of emotion, fear, stress attached to writing mm -hmm. assignments, this is a really good point to take a step back and evaluate the writing curriculum you are using. If what you've been using is creating what we call blank page paralysis, where you put a blank piece of paper in front of your kid and they just freeze and say, I don't know what to write, then perhaps you need a different type of writing curriculum. Because certain types of writing guides are very overwhelming and very intimidating, and others are a better fit for your family. Don't be afraid to take something that you've used well for two or three years or five years or used with an older kid and recognize, well, it's creating blank page paralysis for this kid, so I'm going to look around for something different. It's okay to make a change, isn't it? It is. You ask yourself, is this getting me what I want? And if it's not, making a change is good. That's part of the wonderfulness of homeschooling is you get to actually make those kind of changes. And we find there's not one right way to, to homeschool. Home yes. All right. So we've got reading and we've got lots of different kinds of writing. And we've talked about helping our kids find their writing voice and using words to articulate their thoughts and to communicate with others. 
Uh, let's talk about some of the more nitty-gritty pieces, the vocabulary, the spelling, the grammar, the editing. So vocabulary. There's no escape vocabulary. All kids need it. You can't express yourself without words, so you never outgrow doing some kind of vocabulary. Now, Vicki mentioned earlier uh, that reading certain types of books, writers who are famous for wonderful use of vocabulary, mm -hmm. uh, that's a great way for some kids, especially kids who are kind of natural word nerds, mm -hmm. to, they're going to naturally investigate the meanings of words and the appropriate yeah. usage of them. But a lot of other kids aren't. So what are some ways that you can sort of break out vocabulary and make that happen for a teenager? Well, so some kids, if they have a literature guide that pulls words out of a book... That will be a good way for them to get enough. The kids who aren't natural word nerds and just need something more interesting, I think have really enjoyed freerice.com. Yes, we've done a lot of free rice in our house. And we, we love free rice. That is a fun, yeah, that's a fun site and a good way to expand vocabulary. And it's free. And, you know, I'm just going to put in another plug for something to not, it's not a, it's kind of an anti-plug, I guess. <laughs> Thesaurus.com is great, but please teach your children how to use it appropriately. <laughs> um, in our local community and our umbrella school, I've read a lot of papers where students just were trying to sound like good writers. And they thought that by going to thesaurus.com and typing in a word and then randomly, randomly picking a word from the search results that this made their writing stronger. That is most certainly not the case. You can't just randomly pick. You, you need to understand meanings of words a little more than just that they showed up on a synonym list. So, you know, talk about the shades of meaning in words and how important it is to use words correctly within context. And, uh, yeah, because when your kid is using words, when any of us are using words, what we're really doing is communicating ideas Right. And we should be doing it well. I've noticed as a counselor, my clients don't get better unless they have words. That they need words to describe their experience, and it doesn't get better if they don't. And they need words to make choices. Because we, we just can't make choices on feelings, otherwise we get embarrassed. Very good. So let's help our teens understand the power and value of words. Okay, so we've got reading, writing, vocabulary grammar. So most kids by high school don't need a grammar curriculum per se. Now, some of them will need it forever. So if they haven't mastered basic English, um, yeah, they, they may need that. But a lot of teens do best with just learning editing skills. So they're applying their grammar. So editing all of their papers themselves. And if they're little uh, sketchy at that, some actual editing curriculum like Editor-in-Chief, which we're not affiliates, we just we like just it. We just like it. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, and don't, don't edit your teen's work for them, right? No. Go through and look at things and mark things and talk about why it's not working, but your teens should be making those corrections and changes and finding better ways to form their sentences and their paragraphs. They need to actually do it. Right. If you do it for them, you're not helping them. Yeah, they need to develop the skills to hone their thoughts and to perfect what they are churning out. 
So what do we think about spelling in the day of the red squiggles of spell check <laughs> and autocorrect and all that kind of stuff? How do we help our kids spell well without making them hate the uh, thought of language arts? I do some spell occasionally for oh. me. <laughs> You know, that word knocked me out of the eighth grade spelling bee. It was down to three people. I was in eighth grade. I was one of the three. Occasionally took me out. Still not over it. Just saying. That's really hard. <laughs> That's really hard. Thanks, Miss Counselor. I'm glad you had words. <laughs> words that I couldn't spell. <laughs> yes, yeah, some words are very hard to spell, like occasionally. So I just have to skip occasionally, occasionally when I write. But but basically, we need to be able to spell enough to get by and really pay attention to the darn red scribbles when we're writing That's a paper. That's a biggie. Yes, it's a tool, and I am amazed at how often people say, yeah, I know, but I didn't... Well, okay, it, it's flagging it for a reason, and it's not always right, but... You should pay attention and look into why it put a red squiggle there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we just have to encourage them that, yes, it does matter. Mm -hmm. And whatever tools they need. Some kids are natural spellers, which is great. They can just observe right. words spelled correctly and, for the most part, get them right. And some kids really don't get spelling at all and will mm -hmm. always struggle with spelling. So they need to be taught how to use tools. Tools are a good thing. Yeah, if if they don't naturally spell by high school, it, not yeah, but you use your tools. <clears throat> Very good. All right, reading, writing, vocabulary, grammar, editing, spelling, all of these things come together, and then we throw in public speaking. Public speaking, yes. So we found early in the days of homeschooling high school with our kids, when we would talk to colleges about what are you looking for on our homeschoolers' transcripts, they were all asking for public speaking with our kids' language arts credit. Interesting. So we would have to, you know, record in the early days when we had to prove what our credits were, um, that they had had some kind of public speaking experience each year. Very good. So when you think about what we've been talking about this whole podcast, that reading is about receiving and understanding and thinking about other people's ideas, mm -hmm. and writing is about articulating and explaining your own ideas, and all of these things with vocabulary and spelling and grammar and good editing that's to hone and to improve on that exchange of ideas... Public speaking then puts that out loud component to it because everybody's going to have to speak to others throughout their lives. And some people naturally are comfortable doing that. And a lot of people are not. Most people would important. rather die. <laughs> it's, it is one of the top fears. Isn't yes. Didn't I read that somewhere? Yeah. But, but they can't escape public speaking in life in some form or the other, like everybody is going to have to talk to somebody that's a stranger, like an interview or a Sunday school class or a testimony somewhere. So everybody's got to face it in some time. So it's a good idea to pick it up in high school anyway. Very good. And actually, a shameless plug, Vicki and I put together a speech level one introductory kind of curriculum that has been extremely popular with people who have used it. So if you're looking for something to try to 
provide some framework and some structure and some challenge and make it easy and fun to do some group um, activities on an ongoing basis throughout the year, check out speech at sevensistershomeschool.com. And just like Seven Sisters' other materials, we're aiming for fun more than intimidating. Yes. Yes, and a lot of the lessons in that curriculum are genuinely, truly fun, even for the shyest kid in the group. And so by the end of the semester or a year, according to how long you do the curriculum, all of the kids have gained some confidence in what they can do in public. And they've been given the tools to create a safe space to practice public speaking skills. They're not expected to just jump off the high dive and be great their first time out. They're given a really safe space to have fun with it. So we do a little shameless plugging of Seven Sisters curriculum, but that's because what we found over 20-some-odd years of homeschooling our kids is there are certain things in what our kids are looking for in order to thrive in their education, and we're trying to pass that on to other generations. And we know that it was so empowering to us as homeschool moms to have a group, to have sisters, Indeed. To encourage us to um, to adapt curriculum to fit our needs, to fit our families, to challenge areas where our kid was ready for challenge, but to change the rules in the lesson plan in order to shore up a weak area or to make something more fun where it was feeling too stuffy. So we really hope that you will find that Seven Sisters curriculum resources are very easy to adapt to your individual families, homeschool needs. Because there is not one One right right way way to to homeschool. homeschool. (laughs) All right, I hope that you have gotten a good global overview. Perhaps not an alphabetical one. It was not. But we hope that this podcast has given you a good feel for what the language arts credit is in high school. It is very big. Um, We hope that you understand some of why it is so big and that that might be something that will encourage your teen to really put those hours in and to put that effort in and to make a strong credit on that transcript a high priority each year in high school. All four years, got to have four of them. Indeed. And if you want more step-by-step and more uh, specific help with that, Check out the self-paced online course for parents. Homeschool High School, you can do it. There are lots of extra pieces of training there for parents that will make you feel that much more confident to create this credit. Thank you for joining us today. We are delighted to be sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. And this, again, was the Homeschool High High School School Podcast from 7SistersHomeschool.com. Please join us again. We look forward to it.